Okay, good evening everyone. Bruch Mabam. We're continuing our series on Sefer Bereshis. The Shurman Bereshis are sponsored by Dak, Dr. Zakheim Umeshpachta, Le'ilay Nishmas from Shloima, Eliezer Ben Harav Yaakov Zakheim, and Lezecher Nishmas, her mother, Rivka Bas Tuvia, and Nisham Shnav and Aliyah. They should believe Melitza Yisharm for their whole family. Adbiyas Goel Tzadek. Okay, we have a very interesting subject this evening, which not only is it rooted in the parsha, it's a historical subject, and surprisingly, it is connected to the Yom of Hanukkah. There's a Pasuk in Yechezkel. You ever hear the book Yechezkel? Very good sefer. There are no Haskamais, and but still, it's worthwhile to learn it. Um, the Navi Yechezkel tells us, Koy Omar Hashem Likim. So says the Almighty. Yan Oimrim Lachem. Because they tell you, Echelas Adamat. You guys eat people. You eat humans. Umishakelas Goye Chayis. And you expel bodies. Oh, I'm muted. Okay. And you expel bodies. Lachain. Thank you. Lachain. Adam Loy Sechliya. You will not eat any more people. You will not expel any more people. <clears throat> so they, until now, you guys were eating people, you were consuming humans. From now on, no, no more of that. You can eat chicken for supper. Do not eat no more people. I'm not going to have to listen to the shame of the Gentiles. You will not have to bear the abuse and the embarrassment of the nations of the world, the goyayich, the goyvayich leisachashlioid, you will not have to expel any bodies, no mashem like him. A very unusual prophecy. The Navi is saying that the goyim would say, you eat people, no more eating people. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. I won't have to hear anybody ever say again that you eat people. What's this talking about? Says the Abarbanel, Don Yitzchak Abarbanel, that unfortunately throughout Jewish history, We've been accused and we've been abused because of the uh, notorious accusations of the blood libels, which uh, began almost a thousand years ago. And in almost every country, almost every city in the European continent, Jews were accused, specifically before Pesach time, on era of Pesach, of slaughtering a Christian child and using the blood for the making of matzos and for use on charoises, and in the Dalit Kaisais. And therefore the Abarbanel says, the Navi already predicted it. The Navi prophecy that the time will come where the nations will say, you eat people. And God is promising that in the end of the of days, this will stop. They won't say that anymore. They'll realize that it's a fabrication. They'll realize that it's a nonsense. And we won't have to suffer and tolerate the great insult and shame of the accusations of the blood libel. Okay, so this is something which is predicted beforehand by the Prophet, and Be'ezus Hashem will come to an end. However, once it began, maybe in the 12th century, it still continued into this very century, and you could uh, research it. There were cases and libels up to quite recently, and when I say recently, I mean this decade. Okay, now uh, we've mentioned in the past that... Um, this was something that Jewish community suffered from throughout the generations. Um, we bring over here that 
the Baal HaToysus, Rabbi Yitzchak ben Shalom, he wrote a piyot um, in memory of the terrible blood libels. And uh, Rabbi Yehud Kitov, in his Haggadah Shal Pesach, he lists and goes through all the various uh, libels throughout history, as uh, well as in the Sefer Gezeros, Ashkenaz, Usvard. So there's a long history of blood libels, mostly on the on the uh, Christian continent, the European continent. In fact, Abarbanel says that this is something that we suffered throughout the generations under Edoim. This is specific to Edoim. But as we're going to see, this is uh, <laughs> not specific to Edoim. Blood libels occurred not only in the Christian lands, but in Muslim lands and uh, in Eretz Yisrael and in Damascus. Uh, in fact, uh, a couple of weeks in a row, we spoke about Moses Montefiore and how he saved the community in Damascus in 1840 from the Damascus affair. And this is how we're going to begin tonight. I just want to um, go through with you some of the cases in history recorded by none other than Rav Chaim Falaji. In his Sefer about Moses Montefiore, he records seven historical accounts of blood libels. Many of them happened not in Christian countries, in uh, Muslim countries, and uh, how Kaiso were miraculously saved. Let's stop for a moment. And I want to share with you a thought that I once heard from Harav Victor Miller, Zechotak Lebracha. And that is, it is very important to study blood libels. Because can there be a greater fabrication against any human being than the blood libel against the Jewish people? Can there be something that is more false than a blood libel against the Jewish people? I mean, is there any community in the world which is more distant from murder than the Jewish people? Is there any community in the world that's more distant from the consumption of blood than the Jewish people? If somebody gets a paper cut and they're eating a piece of bread and they get a little on the bread, most people toss the whole loaf. People get very nervous, especially in matzah. If a little blood gets in the matzah, it becomes chametz. Blood is machmetz. So can there be anything further than the tr- from the truth than a blood libel? And yet... Millions of people believed it. Many tenets of their religion are based on it. And that's a fact. So think about it. Says Rav Miller, If millions of people can believe absolute lie, not even based on a kernel of truth, then use that as a barometer to evaluate many of the things that they believe. Sometimes there's a, well, millions of people believe, maybe we should uh, look into it, maybe there's something there. Recognize what they believe for a moment. If this was able to pass, then use that as Dover hayotzu min lalamed ala kulayatza. Okay, so the first historical account uh, that Rukhan Falaji cites is something that happened in Izmir, Chaim um, was in the 19th century, so this goes back to the 18th century. One of the great rabbanim in Izmir, Chaim Abu Lafia, who wrote the Sefer Eitz Chaim, that uh, there was a blood libel in Izmir, and the rabbi was summoned, and when the rabbi walked into the room, he illuminated, he shone, he was so full of light that the sultan was startled and surprised, and somehow, immediately, they discovered the child was really alive and the whole thing was put to an end. So that was one particular miracle that Rav Chaim Falaji quotes. He says, Hashem Aleikim Ames, Harenu Yodoi Hanifla'a Benisim. So that was one particular account. Another account he brings from the Sefer Chemdas Yomim. 
on a commentary on the uh, on the Pisgah, Vihisha Amdalabi Sinim. Do me a favor, there's a box all the way at the end of the hall. I left all the way at the end of the hall with a box of Svarim. The one on the Haggadah. There, <coughs> in the Vihisha Amda, the Chemdas Yomim says that there's a particular situation where the Sultan, one night, he couldn't sleep. He was tossing and turning. He couldn't, he could not, he cannot get any rest. So he gets out of bed and he walks outside into the courtyard. And in the courtyard, he sees two guys. They're looking around and in the cover of the darkness, they have a body and they throw the body into the Jewish quarter and they run out. And the Sultan tells his men, go check out, see what's going on. And the men find out who these two people were. And sure enough, in the morning, one of the religious leaders of the community, they come to the Sultan, they said, you know, the Jews, they murdered somebody last night and they have their body in the quarter, in their quarter. So the Sultan summoned all of his residents to the palace and the Sultan hears out the case and this religious leader said that, um, Sultan, if you don't, thank you very much, if you don't uh, take revenge against the Jewish people right now, then I'm going to incite a mob against them, and uh, it's going to be bad for the entire community. So the Sultan gathers the whole community together, and he hears the claim of the blood libel, and he turns to the Jewish community and says, I, want, I have a question for you. He said, really? On what? I have a question for you on the Pesach and Tehillim. What's the question? He says, what does it mean? Hine loyonum v'loyishan shamer Yisrael. God doesn't doze, and he doesn't sleep. So what's going on? Obviously, if he doesn't doze, he doesn't sleep because if he doesn't even doze off, then of course he doesn't sleep. So the Jews started to say, this pshat, that pshat. The Solomon says, you guys don't know how to learn to heal him. I'll tell you pshat and he never learned relationship. So like this, last night I couldn't sleep and I couldn't doze, I couldn't do anything. So I woke up and I walked into the courtyard and I saw him and that guy carrying a Christian child after they murdered it, throwing it into the Jewish quarter. And I realized that this whole blood libel is all bogus. And then I finally understood Pshat. Hine loyanum. God doesn't even doze. Filoyishan shaymer Yisrael. And anyone who's willing to guard the Jewish people, he doesn't let them sleep. He didn't let me sleep so that I could be guardian over the Jewish people. And he hung those two guys and he put an end to that particular blood libel. So that's the second account. The third account, Rukhaim Falaji quotes a very surprising sefer. He quotes Shivchei Habal Shemtai. A few years ago, we had a few a series on the on the sefer Shivchei Habesht. And basically, by the Hasidim, it's a beginning to bake matzah, Arab Pesach, after Chatzois. And they say hollow when they bake the matzah. Okay. <coughs> One era Pesach after Chatzois, the Baal Shem's Tamidim gather, and what's the Baal Shem doing? He's schmoozing. Who's he schmoozing with? With the pastor, with the priest. And they're schmoozing, and they're kibitzing, and they're discussing, and back and forth. And then the Baal Shem invites the pastor into his house, and he gives him some Pesach honey, and they look like they're best friends. And it's a, it's a very short while before Pesach. Finally, the Besh comes out, he says, Let's go, let's bake the matzah. He said, Rebbe, yet no better time to schmooze with the priest than Arab Pesach. The Besh says, I saw Baruch HaKodesh, this priest was going to throw a body of a kid into the Jewish quarter. So I figured I'll be mechanif him a little bit, I'll schmooze with him, I'll show him respect. And that put an end to that particular blood libel. Then you have the famous story of, in Yerushalayim, of Rabbeinu Kloinimus. 
Rabbeinu Kleinimus Balanas. You know that story? Say no, otherwise what am I going to do, you know? You never heard that story, right? So basically, uh, what happened was, the Yishma'elam killed a kid, threw his body into the courtyard of the of the Beis HaKnesses, and Rav Kalinimus, the Rechem Legend says, he did what he did, just imagine what that is, and he prayed, and he probably did some kind of Kabbalistic stuff, don't try that at home, and all of a sudden the kid woke up, and the kid said, he did it! He pointed to the Yishma'eli who did it, and he gave all the details, and then he went back to the Olam Ha'anas. And that blood libel was put to rest through the miracle of Rabinu Kalainimus. And then, 16 years ago, in Yerushalayim, says Ruchayim Falaji, there were two soldiers that were fighting. If you want to follow us, I'm in the, on page 2, second column, third paragraph. In Yerushalayim, two soldiers were fighting, and one knocked out the other, and uh, he died, and he died in the Jewish quarter, and it was going to be bad news for the Jews. And the whole army gathered to, to attack the Jewish community until God put an idea into the soldier, into the murderer's head. The murderer started going around, you know why I killed that guy? Because he got under my nerves, and he really annoyed me, and his hands were full of blood, and uh, in the last second, that blood libel was, uh, was uh, avoided. And then, says uh, Reb Chaim Falaji, in the city of Kushta, now, a little Jewish history over here. Where is Kushta? Turkey, yeah. yeah right. Where? Istanbul, very good. Istanbul is Kushta. In Kushta was a major city, the capital of Turkey. So whenever you see in Sfarm Kushta, that's Istanbul or Constantinople. Those are all synonymous. <coughs> and there was a particular sultan who he was very upset at his governor, so he uh, the governor realized that his life was on the line. So what do you do when your life is on the line? You go to a Jewish community, you dress up like a chassidish guy, and then uh, then you're you're hidden, and that's what he did. He dressed up like a, a, a Jewish guy for a year and a half, and he participated. He came to Minyan, he and he was lucky. He was not on Yeshiva World News after a short while that he made a gavaldi geshidach. Now he was able to avoid that. He really, nobody knew. He, this guy, and he used to go to Pesach Sadarim, and he, he dressed up. He even spoke to him in Hamar of a couple of years. This guy really had it going. And finally, the sultan gave word that he forgave the governor, and the governor took off the Yiddish garb, and he came back, and he was better than ever. While he was in his Jewish garb, one particular Pesach, he saw a guy got a paper cut, and, you know, he got a little blood on one of the matzah, and it was like, you know, a big saga. They threw out the whole run of matzah. And sure enough, a little while later, the Jewish community was accused of killing a child and using his, their blood to bake the matzahs. And this governor got up and he said, I want to tell you something. I know intimately the Jewish community. I was there. I was one of them. And I saw that if even a little speck of blood gets anywhere near their matzah, they throw out the whole matzah, and that put an end to that blood libel. So says Rav Chaim Falaji, the same thing happened in our times in Rhodes, in Damascus, until we were rescued by none other than Moshe Montefiore. And now in the uh, repositories in Izmir, we have a letter from the Sultan that from now on, anytime anybody claims the Jewish people spilled any blood for Matzois, it's all nonsense, it's all Sheker Bechazah. Okay, this is some of the history of the blood libels. So here's a million dollar question. And perhaps this is a question we've discussed in the past, but I 
found some uh, really amazing information about this. And this is uh, addressed by none other than Rabbi Hanan Wasserman Hashem Imkam Dama. He says there's a principle that Sheker, that does not have a granule of truth, cannot exist, cannot be sustained. And yet there is no more blatant lie in the history of mankind than the blood libel. It's not even based on a kernel of truth. It's like, take the most outrageous, impossible situation and claim that it happens. That, that's what a blood libel is. So how come the Rebunshim has allowed the blood libel to be sustained and to continue for generation after generation, um, community after community, for almost a thousand years? Why would God allow this to happen? But such a blatant lie, God would never allow this to happen unless it's a punishment for something that the Jewish people did. And we know the ways of God are quid pro quo, mida kenegad mida. What exactly did the Jewish people do to deserve that we should be accused of spilling blood even though it has no basis in reality? Says Rabbi Hanan Wasserman, I'm afraid to say this. And the truth is, I'm not worthy to say this. But if I would be worthy, I would say, and if I'm not right, God should forgive me. Im shogisi Hashem yichaper ba'adi, says Rabbi I would say that we are punished, mida keneged mida, because we committed the first blood libel. The sale of Yosef. We took Yosef. We shechted a goat. We took his tunic, we dipped it in the blood, and we say, Hey, Yaakov, Hakerna, does this look familiar? And they made Yo- Yaakov think that Yosef was slaughtered. Blood libel. False blood libel. Yosef was alive and kicking. We fooled him with dam. And therefore, Mida, Kinegemida, for all generations, we are punished with the blood libels until the end of time. Perhaps you've heard this, Rabbi Hanan. We've said over this Rebbe Hanan before. Amazingly, in Reb Chaim Falaji's Sefer on, the, on Moses Montefiore, Reb Chaim Falaji, Agaburcha says, and why did the blood libels happen to us? By the way, just as an aside, there was another Sefer written about the Damascus affair, number 13, it's called Minchas Yehuda, Yehuda Al-Kali, that there was a Jew, a rabbi, who had a dream, and in his dream, it was revealed to him that because Jews were not careful in avoiding their wives at, when they were a nida, they didn't avoid dam nida, we were punished with blood libels. And Rabbi Huda al-Kali says, heaven forbid, chas um, suga b'shashan, we would never violate such a thing. And it seems like ultimately he did accept that reason. But Rabbi Chaim Falaji writes, take a look on your sheet, number five on your sheet, that which Rabbi Hanan wrote probably in the 1930s that he wrote he's not worthy to say and if he's mistaken God should forgive him and if he would be worthy he would say it Rabbi Chaim Falaji already wrote it a hundred years before that in fact the reason for the blood libels almost a hundred years before is because we took Kesoynes HaKerna HaKesoynes Bincha Vayitbulu HaKesoynes Padam and therefore, throughout the generations, we were punished with the accusation on the bloodline. So what Rabbi Hanan suggested, and is afraid to say, Rabbi Falaji says. Now, in the past, we asked the following question. Because let's um, 
sort of follow the approach of Rabbi Chana. Even though, nowadays, it seems like most Gedali Yisrael, if tragedy happens, they're very hesitant to ascribe a reason for it. Even the Holocaust, it became very controversial if we're entitled to offer reasons for it or we have to say, you know, the ways of God are mysterious. But it seems like before the Holocaust, whenever something happened, the G'dayim attributed absolutely a reason for the tragedy. It seems like from the Holocaust and on, it's, been, it's a very controversial practice. Rabbi Yashiv uh, is uh, known to have said when tragedy happened, only a sectonistares. You know, it's above my pay grade. Holocaust. I'm not going to get into that subject here. Pre-Holocaust, every tragedy has been ascribed to a particular cause and particular hate. Here we have Rabbi Chanan. So let's follow Rabbi Chanan's path. And regarding the blood libels, let's ask. Well, okay, we understand it happened from Mechiras Yosef. Well, why did the blood libels always happen Pesach? Why did God allow the blood libels to occur Pesach time? And that question is actually asked by Ramatasio Solomon. I should send him Rafu Shalema. And Ramatasio offers a very lengthy exposition of why the Rebbe Shalom allowed the blood libels to happen Pesach time. And basically the point is that every Pesach we need to remember not only the Exodus, not only the redemption, but what put us into the exile in the first place. And why did we go into Golis Mitzrayim in the first place? Because we sold Yosef. And we know the Jewish calendar is a living calendar. And every year Pesach, we sort of have to ask ourselves, you know, why did we go down and how did we get out? And if we still have a similar chet to Mechiras Yosef, namely Sinas Chinam, then we're still accountable for the, the type of sin of Mechiras Yosef. And therefore the Mechiras Yosef, Avera, sort of is aroused every year at Pesach time. That was the approach around Mount Tzio Solomon. Oh yeah, Menorah, I found Reb Chaim Falaji says something differently. I mean, th- this is really surprising to me because Ramat Basil Solomon, you know, Reb Chanan, were this century. Reb Chaim Falaji was uh, much earlier. And he has a little bit of a different spin on it. And I would like to add to what he's saying. Maybe he even means this. Reb Chaim Falaji basically says like this. Look, the Jewish people have to pay the price for Mechiras Why Pesach time? Because God wants to protect us. How does he protect us? He makes the accusation and the danger come about through the performance of the mitzvah so that shoimer mitzvah This way, it's coming about through a mitzvah. The mitzvah will offer us protection. Instead of it happening, you know, on uh, the third Tuesday of November, it happens on Pesach through the matzah so that the matzah offers us protection. I think you could still ask on that, okay, so, you know, it could happen through shoifar, it could happen through lulav, it could happen through many, many mitzvahs. He doesn't explain, maybe we could say as follows, he, he gives seven historical accounts of blood libels that miracles occurred, you know, supernatural occurrences happened to save us from the blood libel. All of a sudden, Rav Chaim Falaji, he sh- um, Rav Chaim Abulafia, he's shining like the sun and he scares off, you know, the, the emperor. Or Rav Kalinimus, uh brings the kid back to life and the kid says it was him. Or it was through some story where some uh, governor was a Jew for a year and a half and he came back and he revamped. Or, or the king couldn't sleep. So in all these seven cases, miraculously, supernaturally, we were saved from the bloodline. 
Now, if there was ever a time of the year that it would be um, ominous, uh, if there was ever a good time of the year which is predisposed to miracles happening to protect the Jewish people, it's got to be the night of the Seder. It's got to be Pesach time. So maybe in the approach of Chaim Falaji, the Yibam Shalom orchestrates that it happened that time of the year because it's Nisan, you know? So Reb Ezra told me, you know, you told me like nine years ago from Reb Shloim, Shloimai, from the Masuk Mid... Rav Shlomo Levenstein, thank you, that Nisan is from Nisim. It's the month of miracles. I remember you told me in Torah Emes. So if there's ever a time of miracles for the Jewish people that God needs to protect us with miracles, it would be that time of the year. And therefore, maybe the Rav Shlomo allows it to happen then because if ever a time that he needs to tap in and to access, like Rashi says, by Yecholik Aleihem Laila, that the night that Avram Avinu defeated the four kings, Hashem put away the second half for Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. So that night is Leil Shimurim. It's already designated for miracles. Maybe that's why it happened then. By the way, okay, so let's offer some uh, insight to that. So, so when's this coming to an end? Hopefully it did. We hope. We don't know for sure. But it comes out then that there are two great sins in the history of the Jewish people that they, you know, they're never depleted. One of them, of course, is says whenever God visits punishment on the Jewish people, He always visits some punishment from the Chedo Egal. The Meshachachma says, but the same way the Chedo Egal is visited upon the Jewish people in every generation, Mechiras Yosef is visited upon the Jewish people in every generation. And he even says that this is alluded to in the Yom Kippur davening. We say, "Kiata sochan liYisrael umachalon l'shivtei Yisrael." We say, "Kiata solchan liYisrael umachalon l'shivtei Yisrael." Now, this whole concept that we have to keep on being punished for a sin that we didn't do doesn't sound that reasonable. Why do I have to suffer for someone else's sin? La yimsu avesabanim. But we know Chazal say that when is Hashem poiked avayin 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 When the kids do the same avera. So the Meshachachma learns there are two, let's say, father sins in the history of the Jewish people. There's the Ched Ho'egal, which is Bein Adam Lamakayim. And whenever we sin Bein Adam Lamakayim, God gives us a little punishment of the Ched Ho'egal. And then there's Mechiras Yosef, which is Bein Adam And whenever we sin Bein Adam Hashem visits upon us some of the Mechiras Yosef. So, he says, Ki The sin of the Egal. What did the Jewish people say when they made the Egal? Ela Eloihecha Yisrael. And how did God forgive them? Salachti Kidvarecha. So we say in the Davni, Ki You said Salachti Kidvarecha Li Yisrael. For the Cheder Egal when they said, Ela Eloihecha Yisrael. Umachalon and Yermoicha Leshivte Yeshurun. That's the tribes. For the Chayda, Mechiras Yosef. So this idea of Rabbi Hanan, that the sin of Mechiras uh, Yosef keeps on going and going and going, is also clearly the Meshachachma says the same idea. That the Chayda Ha'egel is um, the father sin of Ben Adam Makam, and the Mechiras Yosef is the father of Ben Adam Now, I'm going to give you a little a trailer now, a little preview of the Shiram Pashas Kisisa. 
Because if Mechiras Yosef brought about the blood libel, which is a tragedy in every generation, then what reoccurring tragedy in Jewish life did the Ched HaEgel bring about? This is mind-boggling. But I can't say it, because then you're not going to come back to Kisisa. Okay? So but think about it. If Mechiras Yosef is repeated in every generation with the blood libel, what exactly are people are not making golden calves in every generation? Are they? I can't believe, because I read this paragraph from the Bukhara many, many times. I don't know why. I never read the end of the paragraph. I saw it today. I could not believe it. It's really mind-boggling. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking. I am not worthy to say the following. Who am I to say the following? I don't even want to say if I'm mistaken and Hashem should forgive. I can't even say that. So the way I'll, the way I'll say it is that following the same line of reasoning of Rebbe Chanan, maybe he would say this. Of course, I'm not worthy of that, but just food for thought, taking Rebbe Chanan to the next level. Because Abarbanel said throughout the generations, we've suffered from the blood libel. Let's see if we can find it under whose regime. Look at number two, third line, Bain B'nai Edoim, among the Edomites. <coughs> so I have one one ha'ara on that. That, uh, is that really true? Did we only suffer the blood libel in Christian lands? We just read in Rukhan Falaji like five or six, seven accounts of blood libels that occurred in Damascus, in Jerusalem with Yishma'ilim. It does not seem that the blood libel is specific for Edom. Now, if it would be specific to Edom, it would be beautiful. Because we always said many, many times that Yosef is the antithesis of Esav and Edom. Yosef is the is the lahava that destroys Edom. So it would be very reasonable. For the sin of Mechiras Yosef, we suffer under Esav. But why are we suffering blood libels under Ishmael? So is the sale of Yosef the only blood libel that happened in Pasha's Vayishev? And we know that Yosef brought Dibasamra El Avihim. Yosef brought a false report about their brother. What did Yosef say? So Yosef said, according to Rev, uh, Rev uh, Yehuda, um, they made, were Mazalzel, the Bnei Bila and the Bnei Zilpa. And according to Rev Shimon, they acted inappropriately with Arayos. Rev Meir says, well, what did Yosef tell the father? That the brothers were eating chicken for supper, but they didn't shech the chicken. They bit straight into the chicken. They ate Eber Menachai. That's what, that's, Vayave Yosef di basam ra'alavim. The Shlach Kodesh asks, was this true or was this not true? I mean, it can't be true the brothers weren't eating Eber Menachai. It can't, but on the other hand, it doesn't say that Yosef was moitzi diba. Moitzi diba implies fabrication. He was mevi diba, which implies it was true. So what were the brothers doing? So of course there's the famous approach of the Pashas Drachim that the brothers held they were uh, Yisraelim and we know Yisrael that shechs an animal and the animal's mefaches it's still moving around but it's not dead you could eat it and Yosef held they were Bnei Noyach L'Chumra and they couldn't eat it but the Shlach Kadosh has an approach that what does it mean they were Mezalza with the Shvachos 
So he says like this. Don't try this at home. By the way, last time I said don't try this at home, somebody raised their hand. Why not? Um, but really, don't try this at home. What were these arayos that uh, the brothers were, were fooling around with? What, what's going on? So the Shalak Kader says that the Avos, they knew the Sefer Hayetzira, like Rava, and they could create things. Now, if you create a chicken for supper, you don't have to shech the chicken, right? OU is trying to make uh, different kinds of meats. and I mean, it's very simple. Just use Sefer Hayetzira. If you, if you make a Sefer Hayetzira, you, you, don't, you don't have to shech the... You could eat Avram that's not alive. So what the brothers did was they were making uh, beef from Sefer Hayetzira. It's much healthier. It's much more lean, less um, less oxidation. It's, it doesn't affect the heart. You know, uh, animals created with Sefer Hayetzira are much healthier. And even the Noshim that they were accused of, they also made them the Sefer Hayetzira. But the Bnei Bila, Bnei Zilpa, they also wanted to get in on the action. Because they didn't want to eat like these hamburgers that are full of fat. So the brother said, you can't use Sefer Hayetzira. You're not miyuchas. You have to be miyuchas to use Sefer Hayetzira. That's a rule in Kabbalah. You have to be miyuchas. So that in that sense, they were mezalzel b'nei hashvach. The bottom line is, there's a little bit of a blood libel going on against the brothers. I mean, they're being accused of eating Eber Menachai. So, is it possible? Would 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 Rebbechanan say that there are really two blood libels going on? There's a there's against the brothers, which is a little bit more innocuous. I don't think it personally. It was a little bit more innocuous. And uh, there's a libel against uh, Yosef. And maybe, you know, in the B'nai, in the Eretz, in the Esav, we suffer from Mechiras Yosef. In Eretz Yishmael, we know Kenegad Yishmael is Machos based David. We suffer from the accusation against the B'nai Yehuda. Who knows? He was silent. Which implies he agreed with it. We don't know. Maybe. It's not reported. He was Shasan. Then I came across something unbelievable. The who? No. Right. In the Siddur of the Arizal, the Arizal says, how much oil should you use on Hanukkah? He, said, he says you should use Mem Dalid Darham. I don't know what Darham is, some kind of ancient measurement. But make sure you use Mem Dalid. Why? Skulosoi lihinotzel meharigas dam. Using 44 measures of oil on Hanukkah will protect you from being murdered. That's which is all, always a, a positive thing. You know? You always want to be protective. By the way, how many candles do we light over the course of Hanukkah? 44. It protects us from dam. The 44 candles of Hanukkah protect us from dam. 44 dam. Like, what in the world do Hanukkah left got to do with being protected from Harigas dam? Well, maybe because, you know, Vayeshev is the parsha of Hanukkah and Vayeshev is the root of, 
of the blood idols? Says the Imre Nayam of Jacob, he says the Pshar in the Arizal is Pashat. When did Cain kill Hevel? I don't know. All it says is, uh, you know, he was born on the sixth day of creation, on the very first day that Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, they had Cain and Hevel. And how much longer did it take for Cain to kill Hevel? 50 days. Says the Medrash, Mi Ketz Yomim, B'Tishrei Nivrei Ha'olam, from Sukkis, until Hanukkah. He killed him on Hanukkah. Cain killed Hevel on Hanukkah. And God said, hey, where's your brother? I said, well, uh, huh, huh, uh, I don't know. He faked him out. He, he, he tried to cover it up. First blood libel in history, Hanukkah. Cain <laughs> killed Hanukkah. Says the Imre Noyam that the reason why the Mem Dalet Neiros of Hanukkah and the Mem Dalet measurements of Shemen on Hanukkah protect from Shvichas Domim, because on Hanukkah you need extra protection from that, because the first murder in history happens in Hanukkah. That's what the Medrash says. Comes the Bnei Yisachar, and he says Hanukkah is Gematria. Dam Adam, eighty nine, and he doesn't really explain. Chanukah is gematria. Dam Adam. Melech David. There you go. So, I'm just here to point out some of these very interesting haaros, and it seems like the age-old uh, tragedy of the blood libel according to Rabbi Hanan, according to Rabbi Chaim Falaji, is rooted in Mechiras Yosef. And the Meshachachma as well writes, Mechiras Yosef is an Avera that we have to deal with in all generations. And Rabbi Matasel Salman says specifically, Pesach time, we have to be conscious of Ben Adam Lachaveroi, because that's what brought us down to Mitzrayim in the first place. And we added, maybe the Rav made it happen, Pesach time, because it's a time of miracles, and he wanted it to be a time that we could tap into these Nisim to protect us at this Zman of the year. And maybe these two accusations, Mechiras Yosef and Eber Menachai, do they correspond to different areas? Basirak La'oira, just pointing it out. But it does seem like there's a connection between Chanukah, Vayeshev, the Mem Dalad Neirois, which Arizal says protects from Ritzichas Hanefesh, Chanukah is Gematria Dam Adam. So we hope the Yvon Shom should protect us from any accusations and this should finally be put to rest and be put to bed. And the Meshach Chachma says that there's a very simple way not to have to uh, face the sin of Mechiras Yosef and that is if we elevate ourselves in the area of Ben Adam Lachaveroi and we're able to come together which of course Chanukah is the Zman of Achdos Yisrael where all of Kali Yisrael come together. Specifically, it's the only time in Halacha where the Mechaber paskins like Toysvis and the Ramah paskins like the Ramah. The Berhetev points out it's the only time in Halacha the Mechaber paskins like Toysvis 
Mahajim and Mahajin, one person lights. The Ramah Paskins like the Rambam, that everybody in the family lights. So we should be Zoycha through this Yamtif to overcome any Ketrugam and Kla Yisrael and be Zoycha to all the great Oyrois and Ashba of Hanukkah, Haba, Aleinu, and Taimah.